This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman, Mobile Home Park Lawyer, here again today with another episode. Got a great guest today for you here, another broker. It's part of our mini-series on brokers. We're going to get his insights, our brokers with NAI, NAI Heartland. He is a MHC, MHP broker. Got over 10 years in the industry, out of Wichita, Kansas, but works throughout the nation. Please welcome Chris Wessel. Thank you for having me on today. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being here. Well, I know you. We've worked together some in the past and know each other, but for all of our, our listeners and, and viewers out there, please give us a quick uh, quick background of how you got in MHP space and then what you, what you do today as an MHP broker. Okay, very good. Um, let's see. So I started commercial real estate brokerage in 2006 and um, worked as a generalist at first here in Wichita where I live. And uh, a very early assignment was um, there was a a buyer out there and he wanted to make the jump from being a a landlord of multiple single family properties to purchasing a mobile home community. So I worked with him and I I had a lot of time back then and I, I had a research background. So I made a database of 60 or so um, mobile home communities within a reasonable proximity of Wichita. And I just called them all one by one and, and asked them if they would sell. And um, out of that, uh, ironically, we didn't get a transaction done with our purchaser, but there was one uh, that he waved off and said, this is too large. You know, I, could not, I couldn't purchase that. And so we turned it into a listing. And um, that was the first uh, property of any size that I sold. And uh, after that, I was kind of hooked. And so things were, um, it was kind of a trickle for a few years. And then I spent some time, you know, kind of on both sides of the fence where I was really getting serious about the the mobile home communities, but I still had other, other business. And um, since about seven years ago, it's, it's been almost exclusively, you know, manufactured housing for me these days. That's that's great. So that's, uh, I've been in the business in some facet about six years and I, I tell people if I'd have done it, Two or three years earlier, I've had it full time. Two or three years earlier, I'd probably retired by now. You, you did a good job of, I think, getting in early. There's so many people coming in the space in the in today's environment. Is that what you're seeing? Is lots of new entrants and from the buyer side? Are you seeing any new entrants from lenders or brokers? Or what's what's your kind of current view on the asset class? Um, you're right. I think there's a lot of people getting in. Um, there's definitely, you know, we see new buyers show up. Um, I would say somebody lands on my doorstep at least once a week and you know we gather their info and try to figure out what they're looking for and if we can match them to any, any property that we have um so yeah definitely new new entrance there um we haven't seen a lot of new attorneys come to the marketplace as specialists so i think that's the news that you'll like that's good yeah so um and then the the broker specialty um, you know, there's some barriers to entry, but, um, you know, I do see some people kind of getting deeper into it than they used to. And, and so I think you'll still see some, some growth and some variety coming into the, the marketplace in terms of, of brokers that are out there. As far as the new buyers, I mean, are you seeing a mix of, you know, small, you know, 
buyers, I'm looking for my own part for me, or, or are you seeing more of, you know, I've got a $50 million equity fund and I'm trying to take over the, the whole state. What, what do you see more of? I think the most common profile is somewhere in between. Um, a lot of the ones that are coming in, um, they, they are um, raising investor funds and, and that might be, you know, friends and family or, or what I call country club money. Uh, you know, acquaintances, um, you know, or it could be something, you know, a little larger than that. Um, but um, I, I would say that's maybe the most common, you know, profile of, of, of people coming in. Got it. Now, how, do the, how does a new buyer get your attention? I know you've got a lot of buyers on your list. And, you know, if, if I've closed 10 deals, you're gonna be more likely to probably work with me than the guys close zero deals. The guys close 100 deals even more so. So how, how if, it's, if I'm looking for my first project, how do I get your attention to be taken seriously? Um, you know, I always say that the first one is hard um, and, and not related to factors that I can control. You know, the, the property type, you know, the lenders do put a significant part of their underwriting on experience. And, um, you know, but you, you got to get that first one. I think, you know, I have seen some people that as they came into the space for the first time, they might have purchased that first community with cash and maybe they, maybe they purchased something smaller um, just to, you know, kind of get that resume, you know, check the box of experience. Right. And, um, you know, seller financing is another way to do that. Um, I think that that pursuit can be, you know, kind of elusive. You know, there's lots of people that want that and we have a limited number of sellers that, you know, it makes sense for. Um, but I, I would say that's that's something to keep in mind on that first one. Um, and, and as far as like, you know, interacting and, and you know, other guys in my business and, and ladies might say something different, but I always think that, um, you know, let's start by, by email. Um, you know, if, there, if there's a property they see and they inquire, you know, send us the confidentiality agreement. We'll, we'll send out uh, the property info. And our goal, when we put together our marketing packages, is to have 95% of the information that you would need um, to, to, to write an offer, you know, basically everything short of, of due diligence itself. And then if you get through that package and, and the property is still of interest, then, you know, then let's schedule a call, get on the phone, go through questions and, and help you kind of move from, from A to B. But um, we've, we've found that uh, just getting those packages out by email is very efficient and, and the, the information we really try to have it deep and organized and presented virtually the same way every time so that as you get used to seeing those, you know, it, it shortens your lead time to underwrite as well. No, that makes sense. So obviously with that, you, you know, a good portion of your time is working with potential prospective buyers and putting together those offering memorandums. What does what your typical day to day look like now? Um, as you know, you got a, you know, a national platform, you've been in the industry a long time. I, I assume you're not calling the 60 cold calls the same way you were on that first one. Um, it's maybe somebody else is doing that, but how does it look like now in the industry? Um, that, that's true. I, I would say there's, I, and this is one thing that I could have said back in 2006, and I can still say now, there is no typical day. Um, so, but you're right, you know, the, the business changes very fast, um, particularly this year in, in 2020. Um, I kind of joke that uh, we've changed how we do things three times since the beginning of the year. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's, there's, you kind of have projects that move through different phases. Um, I do spend quite a bit of time making sure we have our marketing materials correct. And, um, you know, we're backed up with a really qualified design staff, but, you know, we have to get them the right data to, to put in there. And, and they're the ones that, that make it visually appealing. So marketing materials, 
Um, you know, and then just moving um, properties through the sale process as, as far as getting them ready for market and working with that seller. Um, and then, you know, fielding inquiries, um, helping them negotiate offers and select a buyer and then, you know, managing these to close. And, um, you know, I got, there's, um, Stephen works with me now and, and he's in production as a, as another broker. And then, uh, again, we have some support staff, but I still kind of take that, you know, I call it kind of a boutique approach where, you know, I'm involved in the listing presentation and, and I'm the guy that takes you to closing. And, and I will know that thing from top to bottom all the way through. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say micromanage, but, but it'll be well, well taken care of all the way through the process. So. That's great. Have you, have you read the book extreme ownership? I have not. Uh, I think you're, you're living it, I think, but you, you, you I think you enjoy it, but again, you're essentially owning every part of the process instead of you've got subordinates or colleagues, but some of them are be more better, be better than you at things like graphic design. But it's things like yeah. listing presentation, you're running it, you're involved. Mm -hmm. You know, you're things like getting it through the closing, watching due diligence, all this stuff. That's that's crucial. That like you're you're babysitting this thing so that it it, it goes from soup to nuts to a successful end result. And then and then you're buying and then you're buying dinner at the closing dinner, right? Yes, that's, <laughs> that's great. Now you you talked a couple minutes ago about the, the change in the market as far as new buyers, lots of new buyers coming. What are you seeing? I mean, as a result of that, or maybe just a result of maybe some macroeconomic factors, what are you seeing in the marketplace? And what's your prediction in the marketplace for, for cap rates, for, for deal flow, you know, as we, as we wrap up 2020, go through an election and then jump into a new year, hopefully a COVID free environment. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the change and the, and the pace of change has been, uh, interesting this year and, and maybe exciting. I, I wouldn't call it frustrating because I feel like we've adapted well on our end, but um, I, I think nobody knew what was going to happen back in March. And uh, as things have moved forward, um, what we're seeing is um, with, with the interest rates dipping even lower, that's really kind of helped preserve our low cap rate environment despite you know some turmoil out there economically. And um, so I, I would say I would look for that to continue. You know, we don't we don't see any immediate uptick in interest rates um, forecasted that I've been told about. And um, you know, as far as deal flow goes, um, uh, there has been great great deal flow to the marketplace. I, I think we were in a little bit of a, a drought or the doldrums in the summer as people were trying to figure out what to do. But um, for whatever reason, um, we're seeing some sellers get off the couch. And, and deals come out um, and, and we've seen that at our, our shop and, and I've heard from other agents out there that, and other buyers out there that they're, they're happy with the amount of product we're seeing come to market <coughs> or, or even off market. So. Got it. No, I definitely, I agree that the, the low interest rates and the, the debt that's available right now is, is keeping prices high, keeping cap rates low relative to what I would have expected in an otherwise mm -hmm. in somewhat tumultuous economic climate. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely a factor at all times. What, what kind of advice do you have? I know you've, you've been in the business a long time and you've seen lots of different deals by virtue of being a broker in numerous states and on both sides of the aisle. Do you have any good tips or stories kind of from school hard knocks that uh, you can share with our listeners? Um, I thought about that for a little bit and I don't know, I don't know if I've gotten anything that I would call lessons from the school of hard knocks. Um, knock on wood. I, 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 I do make mistakes, but I try to keep them as small as possible. 
good. <laughs> Sometimes that works. Um, but um, I would say uh, a couple tidbits I picked up along the way. Um, there was a, an investor we worked with years ago. And uh, one thing he told me uh, was always work with a plan B. And I thought that was really good insight. And, and I think that can mean a lot of things. You know, it, it might be having two different ways to get, get a purchase financed, you know, when you're going into contract um, or, you know, it may mean different exits for the deal. Um, you know, if it goes like, I think I'm going to resell this in five years and this will be my gain. And, um, you know, if that doesn't work, you know, maybe you have a scenario plan where you have a refinance and, you know, that, that's another possible way to, to get from A to B. But uh, I always thought that was kind of good, you know, fundamental advice for anything, you know, business or, or real estate related. And then um, the other thing that I've picked up, I think along the way, uh, and I kind of use this in my, my personal investing, um, I, I, don't, I don't buy mobile home communities just for the sake of, of, of trying to keep things clean that, you know, when we call you, we know, you know, we're always being brokers and not, uh, you know, not trying to buy something that you want to buy. But, um, you know, I've done some industrial investment and in single family and I kind of like to look for um, mismatches between risk and reward. And so myself, I'm a, I'm a moderate risk taker. Um, and so I look for things that might be moderate risk, but, but might have a, you know, above average return, you know, maybe the market has misjudged that asset. Um, maybe we can match it with very opportune financing. And that sometimes lets you, you know, earn returns. Uh, it may be more in the cowboy investor department without, you know, taking on those risks. No, that's good. It's, uh, I think Sam Zell has a similar concept on asymmetric risk, reward, balance, and uh, like that guy knows what he's doing for sure. So I think that's that's definitely a good idea. Lots lots of good advice there. Any other any other tips or strategies that um, you can share before we part? Otherwise, um, I'll let you go. But this has been good. Um, you know, I think um, I, I think people just you know probably keep watching the market um, and and looking for opportunities on properties. Um, I think we're going to continue to see stuff come up and, um, you know, anytime there's, there's change then, you know, that creates a lot of opportunity. And, and so we may have people come to market that were not sellers, uh, that now are. And, um, you know, I just think, um, you know, if you're, if you're participating in the, in the marketplace, you're, you're going to, it's going to be active and, and you're going to benefit from that. Makes sense. Um, I forgot to ask you, what, what do you say, what do you think is the best part of your job and the worst part of your job? You can't just say the closing table. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that I like about the business. I, I really do enjoy what I do. Um, I enjoy the travel. Um, I, I enjoy the flexibility. Um, I kind of joke that, you know, I can work any 65 hours a week that I want to. Um, and, um, you know, the challenge, the, you know, the risk reward. Um, I like the people. And um, it, it's kind of funny in the, I, I like to say in the manufactured housing business, even if you're really, really great at this, it's hard to develop, you know, too much of an unhealthy ego. And so I think that kind of means that, uh, you know, all the people we work, not all the people, but the lion's share of people we get to work with are, are, are really good folks to deal with. And, and so those, those would be several things I, I enjoy about it. Um, you know, I'd say to the, and this one's kind of a, a nod to the, the folks out there that are on the ownership side or, or getting into the business to be on the ownership side. Um, you know, I think one advantage you, you have there that you don't get in the brokerage side of the business 
is that, you know, as you get more seasoned, you know, you get your team in place, uh, you get your properties acquired. And, you know, if you want to take a few days off and, and go play for a while, you know, rent still comes in, your, your team still at work. And, um, you know, although there's, there's more than one of me now doing this, um, you know, brokerage really, it's, it's a direct result of time invested, you know, that's not the only factor, but, um, you know, that's, it's not a deal where you get to coast at some point, you know, it's a very active, uh, job. So, right. So I, I would cite that as a downside, but I'm, I'm at peace with it. So. <laughs> that's yeah. You're, if you're, if you get paid per transaction, you always, you always gotta get another transaction, but as long as you got the, the funnel full and you're doing the best to stay on top of your field and that's legal stuff's the same way, right? It's like, you you need a new client tomorrow. The client dies today, right? You you always need to kind of fill that funnel. Um, But yeah, as as on the ownership side, yeah, definitely can get some of that. They they call it mailbox money, but this isn't a a triple net lease Walgreens investment deal. You know, those kind of deals are mailbox money. There's, there's a little work that goes into running an MHP as we both know. But, yeah, yeah. I guess you're you're kind of in the same boat. You know, there's no billable hours on the golf course, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, well, there actually there might be. I just need. I just I'm not a good enough golfer to get in, get on those tournaments. But uh, I think a lot of deals are made on the golf course. But Chris, Chris, thanks again for coming on. How can people find you? I know where to, I know how to find you, but what, how do you want people to reach out to you? Sure. Um, so all of our contact information and our, our listings and our, our transaction history. Uh, are available from our website and it's naimartins.com uh, front slash mhc and uh, martins is m-a-r-t-e-n as in nancy s as in sam so we spell a little different but uh yeah if you if you go to the website that'll have our contact information and and uh, get a get a look at some deal flow as well all right sounds great thanks chris all right thank you for having me on You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.